Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Mark 16. Before Jesus left his disciples in verse 15, he said unto them, Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any other thing, it will not hurt them. They shall lay their hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. And after he had spoken unto him, unto them, he was received up into heaven, and sat at the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. He said, Go, and they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with and confirming his word... Actually, working with them is not in there. The them is italicized. It was added. Working with and confirming his word. I like that. He was working with his word and confirming his word. With signs following. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. We appreciate your word. We humble ourselves to your word. We are doers of your word. Your word is dwelling mightily within us. Richly in us. The Word is prevailing over our thinking faculties. Thank you for enlarging our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, and ability, and understanding, and wisdom, and all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Thank you that the Word will go forth in demonstration of the Spirit and of power to produce faith not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the living God. We thank you for it. We believe that greater is He that's in us and He that's in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus gave the great commission to his disciples and said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel is the good news. Good news. Aren't you glad you live in a country where we have freedom to preach the good news? Where we have liberty to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ? Before Jesus left, he said, Go ye into all the world. Did you ever stop and think about the fact that Probably only 10% of the non-saved people go to church or to meetings such as these, evangelistic meetings. Only 10%. 10% of the unsaved population, only 10% in ever endeavor to go to church once in a while. Think about that. 10%. Now, you ready for this? Only 5%, 5% of the body of Christ Christian population, only 5% has ever led somebody to the Lord Jesus. 5%. You know that the... Actually, what that is saying by statistics is that the unsaved people are more faithful than the, than the saved people. At least 10% of them make an effort to go to church somewhere. But only 5% of, of the body of Christ has ever won somebody to the Lord. Did you hear that? Only 5% of the body of Christ has ever won somebody to the Lord. But at least 10% of the non-saved go to church endeavoring to get salvation. Hallelujah. 
We need to wake up. Amen? What do you think about that? What an indictment against the body of Christ. Amen? Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the good news to every creature. I had this opportunity just the other day. My wife and I, we took a little drive into Boardman, Ohio in the evening, Friday evening. She had some things she wanted to get to knit and crochet, that sort of thing. And uh, we took a ride into Boardman and to a little place there on Route 224 called the Knitting Corners. And uh, we stopped in there and she wanted to see some things, you know, she could buy them. Knit herself a little shawl or something like that. And as we went in, just a small little place, there was a couple of ladies there. And we were just browsing around looking at the things. And, and uh, at first I ignored it. I, I kind of just wondered if it was God. Sometimes that happens. I said, Father, do you want me to say something? Because sometimes, you know, people are working, people are working. That's their place of employment, and, and they're busy working. But it seemed like something inside me said, talk to her about Jesus. But I ignored it just for, for a moment there. Then when we were about to, you know, end our shopping, she was making her selection as to what she wanted. We walked over by the cash register. I happened to look up on the, behind the cash register, there was a little notice up there. You know, like some stores, if you walk in, it says it's nice to look at and, and to handle, but if you drop it and break it, you've got to pay for it. <laughs> Consider it sold. Well, they didn't have that. They had Proverbs chapter 6, verses 20 and 21, where it talks about, you know, that if you steal, you're going to be paying a sevenfold return on that which you take. And so I immediately caught my attention because it was, a, you know, Proverbs chapter 6, and I looked at it, and I said to the lady that was in charge there, I said, uh, is that your sign you put up there? She said, looked at me, and she said, no. And she got very upset. Ripped that thing off the wall, threw it down, said, Man, the guy that I work for is a born-again Christian, and he puts up these things everywhere. All this religious nonsense puts up everywhere. Everywhere you look, everywhere he goes. Said, I don't know about you, but I think that church belongs in church, and the business belongs in the business, and you can't mix the two. Now, I don't know what you think about it, but I'll tell you what. I feel as though that should just be elsewhere. It shouldn't be over here where I'm working. If I don't want to see that stuff, I shouldn't see that stuff. So, well, what do you think about it? <laughs> well, my wife said to her very discreetly and meekly, you said that to the wrong person. <laughs> she said, you said that to the wrong person. You know, my husband just happens to pastor at church. You said that to a wrong person. And she looked, you know, wide-eyed and said, oh, you know. And uh, praise God. Well, see, thank God that you don't have to wear your robes when you go out. You're just a, just a just normal person, right? That's right. We're just all brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen? What's the difference? We're all ministers of the gospel. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter whether you pastor a church or not. We're all ministers of the gospel. And we all have the same commission to go in all the world and preach this gospel to every creature. Amen? Hallelujah. So I told her what I felt about it. <laughs> And I said, I detect something inside me. I said, are you, are you a Catholic? I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. But I just happened to say that. Just, just blurted out of me. I said, are, are you a Catholic by any chance? She said, yes, I am. And I've had religion all my life. I says, well, I, I says, I'm with you. 
born and raised a Catholic, had religion all my life. I said, but I found out something that religion just doesn't do it. And I began to share with her some of the great truths that we know and believe in. Now, you mind this, the same individual where you'd never think, you know, I don't even want to see that religious stuff around, around here or around where I work. Or I, I don't even belongs in here. And the one lady just, as we were talking, just got up and left. She went up back upstairs where she was working in her department. And I was just amazed at the fact that the Holy Ghost let my wife and myself and that lady behind the cash register there without anybody else walking into the store. Just the three of us. That's all, just the three of us inside that store. And so I just witnessed to her Jesus for about 10 or 15 minutes. You know, right over the counter there. And finally I says, you know, just because you were raised in, in, with religion doesn't mean you're born again. Do you know you have eternal life? Have you received Jesus as your Savior? Do you know you want to go to heaven? Do you want to go to heaven? Do you know that you are going to heaven? And just told her that you can know, that you can be assured of the fact that you're going to heaven. Said, so, well, yeah, I, I want to know that. And so I just asked her very nicely, would you like to make Jesus the Lord of your life and would you like to be born again to the family of God? She said, yes, I would. Well, we just bowed our heads right over top of that counter right over there and prayed and she accepted Jesus as her Savior and she was born again. And just the moment that she did, just the moment that she didn't, and we had prayed, some other customer walked into the store and started talking to her. And so we just continued the transaction after we were all done and when, when she gave us our you know, bagging everything and said, it's time, you know, we're ready to go. I said to her, thank God. And she said, yeah, thanks, thanks. You could just see it in her face and her eyes. She was so grateful. She was so thankful that somebody told her how to have the born-again experience. She said, yeah, thanks. I said, now you write that down. She says, it won't be hard for me to remember because it was July 1st. The Spirit of God was instructing her already. She said, it's July 1st. I remember. That's my spiritual birthday. Can you say Amen. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Here's somebody didn't even want to look at a scripture. Not even read that scripture. Couldn't stand to have that religious stuff in her face. But now all of a sudden, hallelujah, ten minutes later she was making Jesus the Lord and Savior of her life. You know what that tells me? That tells me that Jesus has been misrepresented. Jesus has been misrepresented to the world. You're not going to get the world to come to Jesus. You know, we've got to take Jesus to the world. Can you say Amen. We have got to take Jesus to the world. Only 10% of the unsaved population even make an attempt to go to church somewhere. We have got to take Jesus into the world. And when you start to give Jesus away to the world, you know you get more Jesus for yourself? That law of sowing and reaping is, is a reality. The more, I tell you what, I was more excited than that woman was. I can't tell you how excited I was to know that that woman was born into the family of God. I can't tell you how thrilled I was in my own spirit being to know that I have fulfilled the number one job that the, the church has today, and that is taking Jesus unto the world. You know, in the book of Ezekiel, the, the Bible tells us that the blood of the sinner shall be placed upon the, the righteous. And we'll be held accountable for the blood of the sinner if we don't take Jesus unto them, if we don't take the word of truth unto them. Sure, third chapter, 33rd chapter, the book of Ezekiel tells us just that. It says if, if we see a sinner in his way and don't take that sinner, the word of reconciliation, then his blood shall be upon us. But if we take unto him the word of reconciliation 
and the word of righteousness, and he ignores it, doesn't follow it, then his blood will be upon his own shoulders, won't be upon you. Don't you remember when Paul took the word of reconciliation, took the ministry of reconciliation, the word of salvation unto the people, that when the people refused to hear what he had to say, even unto the Jews, he said, your blood shall be upon your own shoulders. It won't be upon me. I'm shaking the dust off my feet because I've taken unto you the gospel. I believe that the body of Christ has been, even in our generation, hurt because they've been rejected by the non-believing world. But you know what? I believe that there is a program God has in His Word that will make us effective witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that we can represent Jesus accurately in our day and age, in our generation. Isaiah said, Who shall his generation declare that Jesus is the Son of the living God, the resurrected one, who is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high and has good news to offer unto the people that are dying in this world? We have got a, a, a country that we live in where we have got liberty to go from even door to door with the truth. There are some countries that don't give you that liberty. But bless God, they're out there doing it anyhow. They're being persecuted for it. Some of them are dying martyrs' death for it. But in a land, in a country where we have got a, a means whereby to spread the truth of God's Word in, in a devastating way, it seems like as though that we're not doing it. I don't know why it is. Maybe it's because, again, because of our pulpits. Well, you mark this as, as, as a pulpit that's going to lift high the bloodstained banner of the Lord Jesus Christ and promote soul winning in this area, soul winning in this body. It's the number one job. You can't give up. You can't stop doing it. It's what God has called us to do. Look at over here in the book of Acts. They went forth and preached everywhere, but that's not enough. The Bible says that God confirmed His Word with signs and, and wonders as they went out into the world and preached the gospel unto every creature. Notice it doesn't say that they went into the church. This has baffled me. Seems like we try to get... You know, in your big evangelistic meetings, when they have a lot of signs and wonders take place, and you come back from those meetings and you say, why can't we have all those kind of things take place at our church or at our assembly? How, well, how come it is that it seems like we go there? Because you get more lost into those big evangelistic meetings. You watch and see and find out. When these people go around from city to city, that, that, that some people will go out there and get their unsaved loved ones and say, come on, we're going on down here to this meeting. We're just going to hear this, this fellow. They'll go out there to the, you know, to the Syria mosque or somewhere that's not a church building. Because what's going to go on in this place over here? And you get them out there and you get them saved and delivered and God does many signs and wonders because actually there's a lot of people in there that are in the world. And then those that are there, because they want to be there, are there with strong faith to get these people delivered or saved. But here we see that they held these great campaigns right out there on the street, from door to door, from house to house, in, this, in the cities, in the villages, anywhere they went. They went preaching and teaching the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of His resurrection. And God met them out there with signs and wonders where they needed it. Because, beloved, if you didn't get a sign and a wonder when they were out there in, in no man's land, they were dead. Did you know that? They were dead. I remember T.L. Osborne saying one time that he was having a meeting in Costa Rica, and when he was out there preaching the, the Word of God, he said, they came, the, the, the police came and take me and put me in jail, and they took the interpreter and put him in jail. They closed down the campaign, they closed down the meeting, but they couldn't close down God or the Word of God because the Word of God was not bound, although they were, but the Word of God was not bound. And even after we got done preaching the gospel, bless God, miracles and signs and wonders still took place out there in a the village, in a city, and the crowd didn't get smaller, but it got bigger. Because God stayed out there, even though T.L. Uh, Osmond was in jail. 
I believe in a supernatural ministry. I believe in a supernatural God. I believe in a supernatural power to witness for Jesus Christ. Don't you? This is where this gospel needs to be taken. This is where these truths uh, that we believe need to be taken. Out there unto a lost and dying world. Because those are the people that want to hear it. They need to hear it. They just don't know what, what, what God has to offer. You know what the biggest, I believe the biggest drawback there is in, in this United States of America is religious freedom. Uh-oh. Yes. We've got so many religions, in, 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 even in one borough, that man, if you think about representing the Lord Jesus Christ, how many ways is he represented right here in this own borough, in which, this borough of Midland right here? Is Christ divided? Is he divided? No, he's not divided. He's the same, isn't he? He's one. But you see, he's misrepresented. He's misrepresented by who? By the people. Look over here in Acts chapter 1. In verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Oh, dear God, when Jesus left this earth and was received up into heaven, all he had left here was representatives. His body was literally taken out of the world, out of this world, his physical body, but his resurrected body, but his spiritual body is here. It's you and me. Say this with me. I am the body of Christ in the earth. I am the voice of God in the earth. I am the hands of God in the earth. And that's really all he has to work with. And you see that these people right here, these apostles that studied under his ministry, day after day, and were taught of him, had the responsibility of witnessing Jesus and representing Jesus unto the world in an effective way, in an accurate way. And here, in this first chapter, we find out that Luke begins to write an accurate account of what Jesus continued to do in his ministry through those that were his close followers. And the reason why this book was written was so that you and I can have a clear-cut understanding as to what this ministry is of taking the gospel under the world, what's involved in it, and how we can accurately represent the Lord Jesus Christ into a lost and dying world. You know, sometimes we can get all caught up in our own churches. We can get caught up in our growing. We can get so spiritually fat. I mean, just big and big, just, just spiritually growing and just learning, getting into the deep things. And I thank God for the deep things of God because these are the things that has kept me free. Hallelujah. And every individual should get into the deep things of God for himself and grow. You know, that's why we have churches. Absolutely. But you see, this is only secondary. Under the number one job of the church, and that is the soul winner, to win souls. Amen. We're the only avenue God has into the earth to reach lost and dying humanity. And so, how we represent Jesus, why do you think that there's so much confusion among Christianity right now? There wasn't any right at the beginning, because look at over here in verse, well, look at verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up. Actually, what a great day, but what a sad day. See, man was left to represent Jesus in an accurate, effective way. And when he left this job under the body, he left this job unto people like you and me 
that possibly could misrepresent him unless we are studious of his word. Over here it says, until he was taken up after that, he through the Holy Ghost had given, say that word with me, commandments. Under the apostles whom he had chosen. Chosen. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, say that word. What is that word? One of the commandments that he gave them was, look at this. That they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. I wish I had a loudspeaker, and I could just go over some huge system that would reach the entire world, at least the entire Christian population. And I could reiterate this commandment that Jesus gave unto those apostles, those disciples that were so close unto him that walked with him, that he personally taught day in and day out for three and a half years in public ministry. I wish I could just get on that loudspeaker and just shout it out that Jesus commanded that we don't go out and witness until we're full of the Holy Ghost. That we don't go and try to represent him. If the, if the Apostle Peter, if the Apostle John, if the Apostle James, and all the other apostles were told, that, they, and even the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, the mother, Mary, she was there. Even her. If they could not be effective, accurate witnesses and representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ without the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the endowment on power, you know, from high, from on high, then how in the world can we preach anything less than that? It's amazing to me to stop and think and realize how many people do not promote being filled and endued with the Holy Ghost, with the power of God. But Jesus said it right here. This book of Acts is telling you and me how Jesus wanted his ministry to be carried on by man. We said that this was an exposition, a systematic exposition of the expansion of Mark 16, verses 15 through 20, and actually verse 20, how they went forth and preached everywhere. It's giving to you and to me the continuation of Jesus' ministry through his body, through the church, upon the face of the earth, and how Jesus said it should be done. And he told even his closest followers and disciples and apostles that they had first have to be endued with power from on high. And that power would come in the person of the Holy Spirit when he came upon them to endue them with that power. That dunamis, that miracle working power. Literally, signs and wonders. Now we have over there Mark's account that said they went forth and preached everywhere. And God worked with him, with his word, and confirmed the word with signs following. And this book contains the accounts of those signs and wonders. But who said this? Jesus said that you cannot accurately represent me unless you are endued with power from on high. Would to God that the, that the Christian world wouldn't even begin to get out there. I mean, I know you can witness for Jesus, and I know that you can tell what he did for you, and that's good. That's great. But these guys could have witnessed about Jesus. They had a lot more to tell than you and I had to tell. They walked with the man. You know what? They saw him in his resurrection glory. They saw him raised up from the dead. They saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration, brighter than the noonday sun. You talk about having a witness, having a testimony of this great Savior whom they followed, this great teacher who taught them. If anybody had to really uh, the credentials to go out there and be a witness and teach, it had to be them early disciples and apostles. has to be. 
But Jesus stops and says unto them, Don't you dare go and be a witness unto me, not even in Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem until you've been endued with power from on high. And if Jesus said that unto them, how much more should we be endued with the same power from on high? Amen? I mean, what advantage do we have being filled with the Holy Ghost to so many? To witnessing, testifying of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a, the advantage of the supernatural. We have the advantage of the same power that Jesus used to witness of the Father. You know, Jesus accurately represented the Father in the face of this earth. When He walked upon the face of the earth, He accurately represented the Father, but did not go out there and do it until He was endued with power from on high when the Holy Ghost came upon Him. You think about that. Even the Lord Jesus Christ Himself did not go out there and represent the Father without the, the Spirit's enduing Him with power from on high to the endowment of power. Now, you think about that. And here, you know, here we are. We have so many Christian churches, and, and we thank God for Christian churches, but don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, you know, be little Christian churches, but dear God, you know, God is moving in, in a powerful way upon the face of the earth right now. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if people are getting in on it or not. I thank God for what we're learning about all these other areas. But right now, whether you realize it or not, God is moving upon the face of the earth by the power of His Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's first and number one, first and foremost job is to convict and convince hearts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And He's moving upon the face of the earth right now, and hearts are being prepared left and right right now to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. I mean, you look all, everywhere you look right now, people are in a, in a state of chaos. They don't know what to do. This woman said, I recall one thing she said to me. She says, I don't, people have said, this is before she was one of the Lord. She said, people have said, and I believe this, that Jesus is coming back. She said, because this world can't go like it is much longer. She said, this world system cannot go like it is much longer without something happening. I mean, something extraordinary. And I said, you are absolutely right. You are 100% right. This world system is designed to fail by the number one arch enemy of God, and that is the devil. He is the God of this world, and that, that devil has no love for anybody. He hates everybody. He hates humanity. He hates even those that are his own. He wants them all to go with him in the lake of fire and burn them forever. That's what he wants. And so you see, because we are facing uh, an enemy such as the devil who has no care nor concern for humanity. The world knows it. They don't know what's, which way to go. They don't know what way to turn. I'll tell you something else I have to share it with you again. I'll tell you how ripe this field is. I'll tell you how God wants us to get out there where the, where the sinners are and take the good news of the gospel because they're ready to hear it right now. I mean, they are more than willing and ready to hear it. Just the other day, I had another individual. And he may even be here. Maybe he, he says, I'll be here this Sunday morning. He may be, but but just, a, just a marvelous testimony. A marvelous testimony, and I pray. I wish, you know, that I wish to God that it was like that when I got saved. He walked to my office, set up an appointment to talk. Walked into my office and said, uh, you know, said, uh, I, I want to talk to you about my life. I need to get my life together. And I asked him, well, are you born again? He said, no, I'm not born again. He said, but I have a lot of problems in my life. I'd like to get my life together. And I said, well, if you're not born again, then you need Jesus. You need to make Jesus your Savior and your Lord. And again, he was from the Catholic background, Catholic faith. And we talked a little bit about that. He walked, to make a long story short, walked in my office at 12.15. And at 12.50, 12.50, he was born again at 12.50. And at 1.05, he was spirit-filled and talking with other tongues. And at 1.06, he was delivered 
delivered from any bondage that he had before he walked in. Do you realize that there are some Christians that go 20 years without being full of the Holy Ghost? And that, that man only went, since his born-again experience, from 1250 to 105, 15 minutes. The length of time it took me to explain being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. That's all it took. That's all it took. Imagine that. 15 minutes. In 15 minutes, what could be done in 15 minutes in a born-again believer's life, some put off for, for as much as 20, and I've heard as, uh, up to 50 years. Jesus never did tell them to wait 50 years for the Holy Ghost to be endued with power from on high. See, we need to represent Jesus accurately in the earth. We need to represent Him properly, effectively to people so that they can receive the, the, the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. I mean, it doesn't take long to get Jesus to somebody if you do it accurately and effectively. But look at how ripe. Born again, spirit-filled, delivered, all in, in less than an hour. Less than an hour. Can you imagine if we all had that beginning? If we all had that start? Like I said, I've talked to individuals that went 20 years not realizing God wanted them full of the Holy Ghost. But you see, God's moving right now in a devastating way. And that number one job is getting people delivered and set free. And that job has been given to you and me. Look over here in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given unto us. Say that with me. He's given me the ministry of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Say this. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I am his representative in the earth. Now, an ambassador is a diplomatic agent of the highest rank. Highest rank. A diplomatic agent of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government as a resident representative of his own government. Now, you think about that. I am a diplomatic agent or a representative of the highest rank in the highest system known to mankind. Governmental system. And that is the government system of heaven. We are representatives and ambassadors of heaven. Now, when, when the United States government picks out an ambassador, you better believe that that ambassador is going to be fully equipped, educated, and capable of handling the duties of an ambassador to a foreign country. He's going to rep represent this government system the best way it can be represented when he goes out there in the field. You and I have been sent by God, sent by the Father God into a foreign land. Now, I don't know whether you've ever recognized this or not, but this land that we live in to us is a foreign land. This is not our own homeland. This is a foreign land controlled by a foreign government system. Satan is the ruler of this world system. He has set up the government systems of the world. 
and he's doing his best to control the whole entire world so that it could be dominated by his own system. You just think about communism. He's behind it. You think about all the government systems that oppose liberty, freedom, truth, happiness, life, prosperity. He's behind it. Tries to infiltrate this country right here because we believe in liberty, freedom, pursuit of happiness. We believe in that. And in back of it, he's endeavoring to destroy that in which we believe. But I want you to realize this. You and I have been hand-chosen of God, equipped of God as ambassadors to go into this foreign land to preach under this foreign government system a new order of living, a new order of life. I found a new way of living. I found a new life divine. It's a new government system. It's controlled by the Father God, controlled by the Son Jesus, controlled by the Spirit of our God. And if we'll just yield ourselves, we got power in this earth to see to it that people that are under the control of the devil cannot come under the control of the Lordship of Jesus and this new government system. We've been sent here as an ambassador, sent of God. Jesus said in John 17, 18, As you have sent me, as the Father has sent me into the world, so send I them where? Into the where? To the what? To the church. To the what? Say it loud. We've been sent to the world. We've been sent to the lost, dying world that's around us. Do you realize that the early church actually witnessed to all of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 5. Look at Acts chapter 5. Real quick. Verse 42. They filled Jerusalem. Remember he said, you shall be witnesses unto me where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And here, look what it says. And daily in the temple. You know, sometimes I think, and you think about this, three times a week's a lot. But look at this. And daily in the temple, and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. How often? How often? You know, I think we've been so bound up by religious brainwashing and tradition. You know, the average religious person thinks that if he goes to church on a Sunday morning for 45 minutes, I remember when I was, in, when I was still in the Catholic church, and I'm, I'm not saying this against Catholics, believe me, but I, I couldn't stand to be there for 45 minutes. I mean, you know, 45 minutes, that was a long time. Long time. Religion, for some reason, religion is boring to the flesh. And for 45 minutes, it was just too long for me to be there. Once a week. Once a week. Look how far religion has come from this hard attitude of the early apostles and witnesses of Jesus Christ. They went daily in the temple and in every house. And do you know by their witnessing daily in the temple and also daily at every house in all Jerusalem that the word of this gospel message went throughout all the city of Jerusalem, all the regions round about, inasmuch that everybody, even in Asia, in Asia Minor, they all heard the word of the Lord. And Paul could actually make a statement saying, we've not, 
We preach the, this word unto the Jews and to the Greeks, all of them, that we know of, in a short period of time. The whole book of Acts was only 33 years, something like that. And in that short period of time, they preached this gospel unto all the, of the known lands at their time. They preached that word from house to house. You think about this. I can't fathom it. From house to house, daily in the temple, they preached this word so that all the people heard the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why we got so much heathenism right now? Because the people that heard it and rejected it turned their back on it. See, they heard it at one time. They heard it over there in Russia. Oh, they heard it. They heard it all the reasons round about, but they rejected it. They turned their back on it. And because they turned their back on it, God gave them up to a reprobate mind. And because of it, now you can't even get the gospel in some of the areas. But I want you to see that these early disciples, they preached this whole gospel message, I mean to tell you, in a powerful, devastating way. How in the world could they do this? They were endued with power from on high to preach this message. God worked with signs and wonders. They didn't just stop. You know, sometimes I think we just get, a, we get stopped in our own little location. And, you know, we feel, feel as though that here we are, we're just having church now. But these people didn't stop just because they got rejected. Some people get rejected, they get hurt, and they want to witness for Christ anymore. But they went, they didn't care if they spit on them. If they shut the door in their face, if they kicked them out, they didn't care what they did to them. They went out there and preached this gospel message. And this is our responsibility, beloved, in the earth. We're the only hands and feet and voice and mouth that God has in the earth, and that is to preach this gospel message. That's the main reason why we've been left in the earth is to be an ambassador. Would to God that we could all catch this vision, get on our faces before God, and don't leave our, our Jerusalem until we've been endued, I mean to tell you, endued with a power that is so, so devastating that it actually shakes the foundations of the places that we go to visit and preach. See, I believe that God has a way of ministering to these people that are out there. We've tried it in, in, in our own strength, in our own power, our own intellect. But I believe that God wants us to, as a group, as a body of believers, to be so filled with His Spirit. And not just this, this initial feeling, infilling, like they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. How did, how did they preach the gospel in Jerusalem, may I ask you? Peter, after they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, they waited for the endowment of power from on high. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, all spoke with other tongues. They were all as drunk men, staggering about, speaking in, in foreign languages. They were all devout men there in Jerusalem, heard them speaking in these other languages. And because of it, the gospel message, Peter stopped right there, got all their attention, and began to preach. How was their attention... You know, how did they get the attention of all the people that were around there? By the power of the Holy Ghost in a supernatural way. By the power of the Holy Ghost in a supernatural way. How are we going to get the people's attention? How are we going to get these people's attention? How are we going to get the religious folks' attention? How are we going to get all the people that are the sinner folks' attention? What are we going to take under these people that's going to grab a hold of their attention to let them know that we got something to say that they need? signs and wonders, power from on high, dunamis, miracle working power. That's the way we're going to do it. That's the way we're going to do it. After they preached the gospel in Jerusalem and many souls came unto the Lord and they were delivered, the Jews were delivered, they were delivered from, imagine this, they were delivered from Judaism. We talk about Catholicism or some of the other religions, but they were delivered from Judaism. They were delivered from the religion of the hour on that day. 
if the Holy Ghost could shake up a nation in such a way there in Jerusalem so that they were not just men. That Bible said they were devout, devout Jews. Look at Acts chapter, chapter 2 again, real quick. Over there in... Uh, Verse 5. After they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem devout Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because, they, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not these which speak Galileans? And how hear we, every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? God didn't just give us the Holy Ghost and other tongues so that we can, you know, just keep it to ourselves. He also gave it as a sign and a wonder. And if need be, he'll use it. I mean, if need be, he'll have us speaking in other languages and when, we, when we get out there and begin to witness unto the people, if need be, to get them born again, to get them saved. These were devout Jews. These were devout men. They were coming up there for worship. They were coming up there for the feast of Pentecost. They was coming up there. Now, you imagine this. This is one of their feast days. And just a little, little sect, 120 in an upper room, Mary, the mother of Jesus included, in this upper room, people of 120. That little bit, that handful of people, got the attention of all those people that came round about to Jerusalem to come up there and to enjoy the feast. And when Peter was anointed to preach that gospel message because of being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues through signs and wonders, all these devout men came and marveled at that which had taken place. And he had the opportunity of a lifetime to preach to them Jesus and him crucified and being raised up from the dead. And when he had done this thing, they were pricked in their hearts. They didn't know what to do and they got saved. These people were all delivered because of a supernatural power. So winners, you can't do it in your own strength. You tried knocking on doors and you just can't do it in your own strength. You may have gotten one or two saved and we thank God for that. But I'm going to tell you something. I believe that God is sweeping the, the earth right now in a devastating way. Right now. Sweeping the earth by the power of His Holy Spirit to raise up people that will go out there and get the people one for Jesus. It's no more the job of the preacher because the preacher just can't do it from a pulpit. You know how long it would take to get people into this church and get them saved? That world's been out there since I've been here for four years. How many sinners have walked through these doors? Your church, where you, how many sinners have actually walked through your doors in comparison to the multitudes that are in the city? Was this church effective in winning people to Jesus by representing Him effectively? Yes, they were. How did they do it? By power. By this awesome power of the Holy Spirit of God. You believe we can do it? I said, do you believe we can do it? Do you believe that we've got the same power? you believe we've got the same ability? you believe we've got the same dunamis, miracle-working power? Don't you think that in, in this exposition here we have, this account of the works of Jesus, don't you think that chapter 29 ought to be written in, in Midland and Rochester? Don't you believe that? And then wild folk down at Midland Christian Assembly they got together and they fasted and prayed into their church until the Holy Ghost saturated every part of their being and their faces shone like that of angels. 
and they got themselves together and began to walk through the streets and the cities and the villages round about. And the people of East Liverpool, they said, we've never seen it on this fashion before. These people are wild folk from somewhere else, walking around with their, their, their faces as, as white and white as the sun. And everywhere they go, people fall down under the power. And then they get it up and start preaching Jesus and Him crucified. Hallelujah. That's how they did it. I don't see any, any other means whereby you can do it. But get out there where, where they're at and take to them the reality of the power of God. Paul said, I don't want to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Remember that? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I don't want to know anything save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And in Philippians chapter 4, he says, I, I've count everything but dung for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ that I might know Him in the power of His what? Power of His what? I want to know Him crucified. There's two points. You better get a hold of it if you're going to be a soul winner. There's two points. I want to know nothing save Jesus and Him crucified. In other words, let's camp first at Calvary. And secondly... I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. You see the difference? The disciples learned of him when they walked with him. But the Holy Ghost, and they learned of his death, burial, and resurrection. You see? But when the Holy Ghost came, he came to teach them the power of his resurrection. And when a person knows his crucifixion, his death, burial, and the power of his resurrection... And he won't settle for anything less than going out there and ministering unto the lost, dying world. Uh, anything less than the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that's why he said that we should know the exceeding greatness of the power that's given to you and to me. So that we can get out there and witness in this demonstration of the spirit and power. And Paul says, when I came to you, I didn't come with enticing words of men's wisdom. But I came in demonstration of the spirit and of power. You and I have got that power. You and I have been called to win souls. You and I have been called to go into the world to preach the gospel to every creature. Let's take up our place. Let's do it. How many of you want to be a doer in this area? I mean, I mean in, a, in a greater way than, than we've, ever, we've ever done before. Brother Jim, are you ready? You've been ready, huh? You've been waiting. He's been waiting. The power, I know the power of God just, just, just you know, ministering the to us so that we can all get involved you know what this ministry will do for you as an individual it'll revolutionize the whole way you live it it'll revolutionize your whole thinking how many if i could very quickly i've only got a few minutes to do it very briefly how many of you remember the uh teaching over there in second kings where it talks about elisha followed elijah until elijah was taken up in a whirlwind how many of you remember that uh, into heaven okay I want you to, I mean, you ain't never saw it this way before, but I want you to see it this way. Over there in 2 Kings, it talks about they knew from the very beginning that Elijah that day was going to be taken up into heaven in a whirlwind. They knew that. They said that. Remember? They said, Elijah, where are you going? Don't you know you not that this day, Elijah, the prophet, will be taken up into heaven in a whirlwind? So they knew that. Now, I want you to see this. I want you to vividly see Elijah about to be taken up in a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha watching him go up into heaven. Then I want you to see Acts chapter 2, or chapter 1, where it talks about Jesus was being taken up into heaven in a cloud. You see the two? 
Elijah being taken up into heaven by a whirlwind and Jesus being taken up into heaven in a cloud. There's a type there. Elijah is a type of Christ. He's being caught up into heaven. Jesus, literally, the, Jesus being taken up in a cloud of glory into heaven for the purpose of sitting at the right hand of the Father. And after he was received up into heaven, they went forth and preached everywhere. Okay, so here we see Elijah going up into heaven. You see? But before he does, there are four stops he makes along the way. And Elisha, who was a type of the church, see, here, there was a church. How many disciples that were, were there? I don't know. Uh, probably 120, whatever. We know he was seen of 500 at one time. But there's the church watching Jesus go up into heaven. See? And there's Elisha. He's going to watch Elijah go up into heaven. But four stops along the way. Elijah makes before he goes up into heaven. And that first stop is Gilgal. Gilgal is a type of Calvary. It's the camp. The first place that the children of Israel camped when they got into the promised land, Canaan's land. It's the place where they rolled away the reproach of Egypt. See, Gilgal means to roll away. Rolling, to roll away or roll off. And when they got over there into Canaan's land, the first place they camped was at Gilgal. We can call that Calvary. It's where the children of Israel were circumcised that were born in the wilderness. Remember when they were in the wilderness? That only the ones that were there in, in disobedience, they all died, all the men died. But the children that were born in the wilderness, and it was 40 years they were in the wilderness, none of them were circumcised. See, and that was a reproach. Not to be circumcised as a Jew was to be gross impurity, a reproach before God, to be considered unclean before God, without a covenant, without God, without hope in the world. But when they got into Canaan's land and pitched their tents at Gilgal, which means to roll off, that's where God spoke to them and said, Now I want you to circumcise those that were not circumcised in the wilderness. And then he called the name of that place Gilgal, which means a rolling away or a rolling off, where they rolled off the reproach of Egypt, the Lord sent of them in Joshua 5, where they rolled away or rolled off the reproach of Egypt. And they became clean before the Lord. The first place the believer is to camp is Calvary. We should camp at Calvary. That's where we come and we become pure and clean before God. We roll off the reproach of this government system the reproach of the devil and living for him, the reproach of all that he has to offer, all the darkness stands for, and we come over here to this place of Calvary where we're clean before God. We camp there to find out all that Calvary stands for, all that it means. And the prophet said unto Elisha, see, he's a type of the church, or you and me, a follower. He says, Elisha, you stay right here because your master is going to be taken off into glory. Well, now, wait a minute. Elisha says, as, as thy soul liveth, as God liveth, I'll not leave. I, I, I'll not leave his side. I'll follow him. And he goes on down to Bethel. Now, Bethel is the house of God. It's a place of divine visitation. Every believer, after he, he camps around Calvary, then he comes to a place of divine visitation with God. When you actually begin to have your own personal relationship with him in prayer life, God visiting you like he visited Adam in the cool of the day, in the evening breeze, God visiting you 
You know, have your little old place called the house of God. Bill's house of God, right over there. John's house of God, right over there. That's where God visits me. Hallelujah. We have a good time. That's where Jacob called it Bethel, the house of God. He said, God was in this place and I didn't even know it. You know, sometimes Christians are like that. God was in this place and they didn't even know it. He comes to this place of Bethel. He has a visitation with God. And he learns about God. God tells him what he wants him to do, etc. Everybody should have that. Then Elisha don't stop there. They said stop here. But Elisha goes on down to Jericho. Jericho is a place of divine manifestation. I don't believe any believer can be effective representative and witness for the Lord Jesus Christ unless we have manifestations. Manifestations of God's power. Being filled with the Holy Ghost. Speaking with other tongues. Healing our bodies. Manifestations of God's delivering power. I mean, this, this thing arresting upon you, but we don't stop there. They said, stop over here. Elisha said, as thy soul liveth, as God liveth, I will not stop. I'm going all the way with God. You want to be an effective witness? Listen. He goes on down the, to, to Jordan and crosses the river Jordan. Elijah takes up his mantle and knocks the river apart and it, it separates for him. He goes across dry shod to the other side. Elisha follows him right on the way and he gets to the other side. Now he's ready. He's on the other side. That's the type of crucifying the flesh. Crucifying the flesh. Self-crucifixion of the flesh. I put it that way. And there he is on the other side. See, a lot of believers don't want to go that far. But there he is on the other side. He's made it that way. He's that far. And there he is. And he looks up into glory. And why did he go that far with him? Why did he go that far with Elijah? Elijah says, what is it that you would desire of me? You know what he says? I want a double portion of the spirit and power that's upon you. I can't do this job without a double anointing of the spirit and power that's upon you. And he, Elijah says unto him, If you see me, what I'm taking up into heaven, know that this hard request that you asked shall be granted unto you. And when he got to the other side, see, Elisha had to prepare himself. He looked up, just as the disciples looked up, gazing into heaven, seeing Jesus taken up into glory. And what did Jesus say to them? Now listen to the same thing. He said, don't go until you're endued with power from on high. What did Elisha say? I don't want to go until I got a double anointing of your spirit and power. Elijah goes up into heaven. The mantle falls upon him. Jesus goes up into heaven. Are you ready? And when he goes up into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, his mantle was the Holy Ghost. He said, don't go until I send you the promise of the Father, your mantle. You don't have the mantle of Elijah or Elisha. You've got the mantle of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have got the Spirit. Dunamis. Miracle working power upon you. Go ye now into all the world and preach the gospel in every creature. And I'll follow the preaching of my word with signs and wonders. I don't believe a believer today should go and do it until he's got miracle working power operative so we could best represent him in an accurate way. Amen. We can do it. You believe there's enough power in this church right here to do it? I mean, in an effective way. Come tonight. Let's all stand before the Lord.
Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.